Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I'm your host Dustin and as always we have Chris and Apple. What's going on guys? Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? So, as promised, we are bringing you an, a podcast that's all about the Batman comics for all you fans who've been emailing me about how we're not getting the, giving the comics as much love as they deserve. So, um, in this episode, we're going to cover the first two issues of the Batman R.I.P. storyline, as well as um, Apple's going to talk about uh, the Joker, uh, Joker greatest stories ever told, and we're going to discuss... Uh, t- Detective Comics number 845. So. Watch yourselves, man. These guys are crazy. All right, Chris, go ahead and take it over. Don't be too crazy. All right. Well, everybody, your moment has arrived. You've all been wanting some comics. So here we go with Batman R.I.P. Um, 676 starts off the whole Grant Morrison R.I.P. run. He's been building this up for... uh, what would you say, Apple, two years has it been, or just one year? Uh, what, maybe about a year and a half, maybe? That sounds right, yeah, about a year and a half. Um, and so what we're going to do is uh, we're just going to run through the issue, um, highlight the uh, the cool stuff in it, kind of give you a quick uh, story of the plot, what's going on, and then we'll close it out with some thoughts. Um, the issue opens up really co- a really cool uh, picture of uh, Batman and Robin, and then it uh, goes from there right into the bad guys um, were introduced to this den of thieves um, with the whole black glove thing and Dr. Hurt. Um, and Apple, isn't it right that this Dr. Hurt guy that they introduce here is the guy that originally put Bruce Wayne uh, volunteeringly into a uh, isolation chamber? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. And so he's he's back and... Um, he's up to no good. I remember reading something about these fellows. Uh, people think, okay, well, this must be the black glove. And, um, and, uh, the story apparently is that, well, and this is from the mouth of, I believe, Grant Morrison or, uh, uh, yeah, I think Grant Morrison that, um, that there's actually three different layers of bad guys in this story. The black glove is somebody that we do not yet know. And he has, uh, he's on the top. And then uh, this Dr. Hurt guy kind of works for him along with this cadre of villains. Um, and I want to say that there's a level – oh, go ahead. I was going to tell you, who, who do you like out of those villains that are in that picture? Um, they all look like jokes to me. Um, the, <laughs> you think So you're calling them villains or – I think this is Grant Morrison craziness, um, especially with his humor and, and interest in going back to these campy, crazy stories from way back in the day. Uh, I'd be surprised if any of these villains are actually dangerous. Um, and it, I think I might have a little bit of a hard time believing that they will be. I mean, we've got the Lucha Libre guy. Um, we've got Pee Wee Herman, the mime. Um, the guy looks like Julius Caesar. Caesar yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy that wants to be the Joker and and, uh, and Caesar. And then the guy that looks like Bane with green eyes. Um, Helmet Head, which... Uh, I don't know. He kind of looks a little intimidating and maybe a little cool. And then the woman, 
reminds me of one of the main uh, villains from Ultimates 2, um, one of the Marvel comic books. that. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember yeah. her name. I can't either. I want to call her Parasite or something, so There's, I don't know. Well, her, name in this, in the, her name in the comic book is Sweetheart. 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 Yeah. So anyway, these B-list characters and Dr. Hurt here are apparently going to put the hurt on Batman. And uh, it goes from there to uh, a really cool scene with uh, some crazy costumed character uh, hijacking a family and taking them somewhere. And uh, he's really, uh, if, if those were B-list characters, this is a C-list character. Uh, he's just, you know, a typical goon trying to do something. But uh, it moves on, and then it's a really cool picture of, uh, you see red headlights um, in the rear view window. And the kid of that family that's being hijacked goes, dude, you are so dead. Because he knows Batman has found him. And uh, that was one of the cool lines in this thing. Uh, I tell you what, I like I like what Grant Morrison uh, did in this uh, issue. Some of the dialogue he put in here is really good and uh, a lot of fun. Um, and again, you know, Apple and Dustin, you feel free to interrupt me with your own thoughts um, as we go along. Well, I like the two-page spread about the Batmobile, so. Yes, that is and, awesome. And, that would, and anybody uh, that listens to the shows will know that, you know, I'm a Batman freak, so. I mean, a Batmobile <laughs> freak, so. Uh, <laughs> that would make an interesting poster if it could be uh, modified a little bit, maybe. It's a great introduction to the new Batmobile. Um, I think it looks really good. Uh, it's not the Tumblr, and, uh, but it's, uh, it's still pretty pretty cool. And then there's some interesting dialogue between Batman and Robin about Batman trying to take it easy, and his version of that is to test drive this Batmobile. Um, he almost hits a homeless person, and uh, again, Grant Morrison puts some good things in there with uh, them screeching up next to the homeless person, and the homeless person saying, you have a very kind face, and Robin going, when was the last time you heard that? Batman <laughs> responds simply with, there's a couple hundred dollars in the dash. So he's being generous and... And wasn't there a scene like that in Batman Begins where where Batman gave some guy some money, or was it just yeah. Bruce Wayne? It was, just a it was uh, Bruce Wayne gave the 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 hobo at the that was standing outside. Remember when he met uh, Falcone outside the bar? Yeah. I mean, the, where the restaurant? Yeah, and he, he gave him like a like a thousand dollars cash. Yeah, jacket. It was a, he gave him his jacket, and then when Batman appeared on the docks, he sees the guy, and the guy sees him. The homeless guy sees him, and he goes nice jacket as he flies off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, they easily catch the bad guy and Robin has a good little quip for him so the issue starts off pretty strong a little action packed and uh, and I'm really liking it then it goes from there until the morning after uh, they get back and it looks like Batman only has one thing on his mind oh uh, yeah and he sees Jezebel Jet, and uh, <laughs> I think he plans on visiting the Batcave or something <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of strange the how that happens in that he's walking through the mansion and as he's going down the hall he starts stripping off his costume and to me that seems a little weird to see Batman doing that. Did you guys see anything unusual in it or are you just going along with the story? Well, I kind of saw the fact that why would he have been walking through the manor, not the mm-hmm. Batcave? Mm-hmm. And why is Robin and him walking around the house with their their costumes still on? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, 
it go through uh, probably when uh, Chris's favorite uh, Batman video game, Batman and Robin, is you can go do the tutorial inside the mansion. So he's no. probably, you know, <laughs> you can go through the mansion, but there. But what I found interesting about that picture when he's coming out and he's taking off his clothes, if you notice before that, when they already had got the guy, uh, the thug that had kidnapped the family, Batman mm-hmm. wasn't doing anything. All he was doing was driving. Robin was the one that got him down and took care of him. Yeah, well, I think that goes back to uh, Robin telling him, you know, you're supposed to be taking it easy right now. Um, you know, he says there's nothing wrong with recovery time. Uh, talking about Bruce's uh, heart attack a few issues earlier, so I can I can see that fitting into it. Where Batman's like, okay, then Robin, you take it, and I'll I'll be supervisor. <laughs> so, but yeah, and as far as when it opens up with him in the mansion the morning after, uh, I assume they came in through the Batcave and they just walked in through the clock or whatever. But it's kind of weird because then a few panels later, Alfred goes into the cave through the clock and Robin follows him right back in. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe they did that for just the look of it. See Batman walking through the mansion and getting to Jezebel or whatever. What did you guys think about this interaction between Alfred and Robin? I I kind of found it kind of eerie, though, because he was like going into detail. Didn't did y'all get that feeling? Yeah, Alfred, when he was talking to Robin in the in those pages right there. Yeah, I, I, my opinion of it was just basically he was trying to like prove to himself without, but through saying it to him. Mm-hmm. That was like my view on it. I, I, I pretty much the way I looked at it, it was um, it was very similar to you know. Tim's trying to make Alfred realize that there's something wrong with Bruce. And Alfred's like, no, that's impossible because this, 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 and this. So he's good. And it was, it was basically sounding like to me that he was trying to convince himself that he was fine. Yeah. Right. I like the uh, the one panel, uh, the first one on that page where it shows Alfred's silhouette with his candle and behind, uh, or his whatever lantern and then behind him is Robin with a cape totally enveloping him. I think that's a cool, cool panel. Um, but yeah, Alfred goes into how much he believes in Batman and, and his ability to be sane. And he, uh, and he's being perceptive there trying to get Robin to open up about what's really bothering him. And, uh, and Robin's got a big beef, uh, still going on about Damon because, you know, in past issues, they've had some big feuds, uh, Damien and uh, and Robin, and Robin's not convinced that it's really Batman's son. But they leave it kind of open there, talking about, well, did did Batman do a DNA test? Tell me, Alfred. And Alfred says, Alfred says he insisted he would tell you the results himself when the time was right. And Robin says, so you know, you both know, and nobody's going to tell me. And Alfred says, it's not my place to say, young sir. Forgive me. So that's. Hey, but you forgot one of the best lines after that, where, you, where oh, Robin sorry. says, "The son of Satan is my brother." <laughs> yeah, referring <laughs> back to the whole "Son of the Demon" book. With yeah, Al mm-hmm. Ghul. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, quick, quick poll. What do you guys think? Is it really Batman's son or not? I'm gonna say no. Um. I'm going to have to go back to the 87 where they left it that that was Bruce Wayne's son. 
So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want. I, 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 maybe it's just me. I've always wanted, you know, Bruce to have a baby with uh, Catwoman. That's just me. <laughs> but uh, if if stories go, oh, and if it, if it's connecting to the eighty-seven one, I'm gonna say it is Bruce Wayne's uh-huh. son. Although on the side thing, I think that um, I think it would make sense if it was because the fact that they bring him in and then they take him out of the storylines every once in a while, and the fact that he can just appear, I think over time, the fact that he will just be able to appear be in a storyline it gives them something to do but he the thing is he can't be a constant character like robin and be in the storyline all the time because you just create way too many um conflicts but at the same time it's i think maybe it probably is his son and it probably is more on the lines of you know a character they can bring in and out whenever they want uh-huh it's it's an interesting thing because, um, you know, that whole son of the demon was not Grant Morrison's baby. And uh, now he's picked it up. He's the one that originally made Damon. He's not just picking up a, Damon's, a Damien story. And uh, so we don't know. This is all this is all Grant Morrison's thing. I'm about maybe not even 60-40, maybe 51-49 convinced that it's for real. Because they can do some interesting stuff. Way back in Batman number 666, they did a whole story with the premise that um, that Damien ends up taking over for Batman and, uh, and carries on the mantle after him. But Grant is hard to follow. He does some weird things. And in comic books, I could see this being some huge fake conspiracy thing. So time will tell. Um, yes or no, do you guys think the whole Damien issue will be resolved, will have a solid answer by the time R.I.P. is done? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I do think so. Okay. I would... Uh, I'm 50-50. I don't, I, I, I don't, I think, they, I don't think they would have brought it up in the storyline if they weren't going to, at some point, it come up and it be answered. Mm-hmm. Right, because then at Comic Con they they pass around that uh, what was it like the the buttons where it says I am Batman and it had uh, Nightwing, uh, Robin, and Damien, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it moves on from there. Batman and Jezebel Jet is at uh, Bruce's parents' grave, and they're having a conversation. They get down to it. They're talking about how. Jezebel Jett has a special invitation. The Black Glove extends an invitation to Miss Jezebel Jett and Mr. Bruce Wayne. And so, it sounds like this is a good setup from Dr. Hurt trying to get them in there. Uh, Bruce responds a little shocked because uh, he knows something's up, I guess. And then that closes out there. And then the uh, end of this issue, this was an actual... uh, well, there's a mistake involved in here, and I'll share it to you in a second. But you get a shot of Arkham. Uh, Arkham. Let's see. You gotta make sure I say this right, Apple, because you've gotten on to me about this. Yeah, Arkham I'm, I'm critical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, Arkham Asylum. Uh, something terribly wrong. It looks like has gone on. There's blood everywhere, and it uh, looks like the Joker has got his wish with killing Robin, Gordon, and Nightwing. 
And uh, such an interesting thing they put on the wall. I wonder if it has anything to do with Heath Ledger's line. Put a sm- uh, put on a happy face. That's actually from Jack Nicholson, 1989. That's true. Chris, you remember? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He was put on a happy face. He's doing the commercial. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it but yeah it definitely rings some bells in the mind. And Joker's sadistically happy that he's done this. And it moves on, and he's being uh, shown an ink blot, and apparently that whole scene was uh, him imagining what he would like to do. And uh, the words, and I don't know what the significance of this is, is, but you know, Joker responds by, what do you see on this ink blot? He says, another pretty flower. Um, and, so uh, he can get out, that's the why, so, you know, so they think, you know, he's cured. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think they'll ever be convinced of that. Um, well actually this is sparking a memory there's something coming up soon in comics I don't know if it's a standalone issue or part of current continuity where they actually are supposed to let Joker out because apparently he's uh, sane or he's proved his sanity so they're going to let him go and it's about the storyline will take off from there of him trying to uh, retake and reclaim the Gotham Underground like the criminal elements. Does that sound familiar to you guys? It sounds familiar. I'm not... Like, I've heard something similar. I have no idea where it was, though. I sure hope I'm not rehashing something that's happened and I read, like, you know, the synopsis of a trade paperback. I don't think so. Or you're doing spoiler or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's not a spoiler. Um, Is the email address the same? Dustin, for this podcast? No, the email address for this one is BatmanUniverseComicPodcast at Yahoo.com. You can okay. email us. That way we can separate the stuff for all of you guys who want to talk all about comics and stuff. We can get your guys' answers a little different for the podcast. this podcast. Cool. If you guys know what I'm talking about, if I'm wrong, if I'm talking about trade payback, whatever, let us know. Uh, but yeah, so... Joker's like another pretty flower. He's not really cooperating. And the guy says, I see, if you insist on being, uh, perhaps we should try a fresh approach. And that's the part where a lot of people got confused and thought the Joker got helped by somebody that came in, killed this man, and gave Joker the invitation. But Grant Morrison has explained since then that the um, color artist actually got confused. And on the last page with the Joker covered in blood, those were not supposed to be colored red. Um, right. What actually happens is the uh, the guy holding the card, I guess, changes form or whatever, and actually you know, shows himself to be this nom de crime, uh, or this no, I'm sorry, this guy named Le Le Bossu or whatever. And um, but still, the outcome is the same. I think he's letting the Joker loose somehow, right. and that's where that ends. Any closing thoughts on that issue, guys? Um, what's your guys' thought on that version of Joker? A little different. Now, to my understanding, he's, uh, in the past few issues, something terrible happened to him. He got shot in the face, and he had his physical appearance changed. Is that right? Yeah. Is that why he looks this different this time, or do they still take some more liberties with him? Well, I just think, not so much like, the, 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 you know, the blood and stuff like that, but more on the lines of what do you think of the way, it, like, the structure of his face compared to what we've seen in the past? 
I, I think it's trying to go towards uh, Heath Ledger. If you notice, like, the mouth, it, it's kind of going to, like, like that dis- that, that cut, maybe. A um, little disfiguration, maybe. But um, it, it looks a little bit more evil, but I can see a little bit of Heath Ledger as far as the mouth appearance. Did they do that because something about him getting shot in the face uh, in a few issues ago, or is that brand new? I honestly... Boy, had... Go ahead. I think he got shot in the head, didn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I don't remember exactly what episode, or what issue it was, mm-hmm. but I, I, he hasn't been around for the last couple issues. Mm-hmm. Did he get shot in the face by a Batman or a Batman impersonator? That's a good question. I'm pretty sure it was a Batman impersonator. If you know the answer to that question, email us Batman Universe Comic Podcast Yahoo dot com. It was uh, John Paul. He was the one that did it. Okay. Batman impersonator. (laughs) (laughs) Heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy about him. If they're doing this just because of the movie, I hate that. Um. I think, you know, if you want to do something based on the movie, do a special one-shot or something. Don't mess with the one that's been around for years and years, trying to capitalize on a one-year movie. Um, right. And I don't know. Maybe uh, some of this is just Grant Morrison and this artist teaming up doing their own thing. I'm game if so. Um, but as far as do you, I like him better than I like the one, say, I saw in Hush with Jim Lee. Uh, I prefer the Jim Lee one because even though it may not look as normal and human as you might see in a re- in a real life, it's just that's that's the Joker to me. Yeah, I, I yep. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. And I am gonna agree with you also. So we'll see what happens. You know, I don't, I, re- I remember what Grant Morrison did to X Men and New X Men. He changed up things and it really shook up things for a while. And so if he's really doing the same with Joker here, I hope. I don't know. We'll see what the fallout is after he leaves the book. If these radical changes like this stick around, or if the new artist takes, you know, whatever artist comes next, just does his own thing more in line with the traditional Joker. So anyway, but the uh, the cover of the book was by, uh, uh, oh my goodness, I forgot his name. Alex Ross. Duh. Yeah, yeah Alex Ross, and that oh, I know it's actually. Oh, uh, no, I've, I've sinned. Um, I know that's going to be a poster coming out, I want to say in September. That brings us into our next uh, next issue, 677, so let's get on with that one. Alright, well it starts off with another Alex Ross cover. I don't think this would make quite as good of a uh, poster. But uh, opening up the ish, it gets right into Batman taking it to another C-list character, uh, bad guy. And uh, we're seeing some more of what we saw, I think, two issues ago, where Batman's going a little little far in the temper trying to figure out who's behind everything. Uh, You get a good shot of him breaking dude's arm and uh, wanting to know who's this guy working for who is the Black Glove. And, 
you know, he's doing this in the sewer. I'm glad the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles didn't show up as more C-list characters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of strange that the commissioner and the police uh, also happen to be in the sewers. But they kind of take it from there. And uh, Gordon's telling him, you know, I, haven't, I don't know anything about the Black Glove except, and here's one of our big clues that maybe Grant Morrison's given out, except uh, some old movie. Um, having to do with this term black glove. So we go straight into Batman in the Batcave. And uh, and I think there's some interesting things in this, With even with Alfred, some things that look a little suspicious. Batman says, I noticed one of the black case books was missing from the drawer, Alfred. I need to pin down Simon Hurt's link, Dr. Hurt, with John Mayhew and some of the other names connected with the black glove. Um... Do you guys know where he gets this name, John Mayhew? Oh, never mind, never mind. It's the actual, uh, this film that, that Gordon told him about, The Black Glove. It was a John Mayhew film right. starring a guy named Mangrove Pierce. So Batman's trying to see if there's some connection. Dustin, did you want to say something there? No, no, I'm good. Okay. Um, and then Alfred goes, goes, Sir, I believe I committed most of your handwritten notes to that computer files arranged chronologically. Perhaps I left the original at my desk. And then Batman, he's, he has sort of a weird response. He says, so it's already on here? This is one of John Mayhew's movies. It's the story of two innocent lovers corrupted and destroyed by a group of super-rich gamblers. Uh, Alfred says, I've certainly heard of it, sir. That's rather nice. So they go on. But let me pause right here and talk about this, because this is something, some clue that Grant Morrison's putting out here. Uh, somehow, this movie already got into the Bat Computer Files. Um, that's strange. And it's strange that one of the black case books is missing from Batman's drawer. So. See, so, see, when I read this part, it was leading me to suspect Alfred. Mm -hmm. But something that Dustin has said made me rethink it. Mm -hmm. And, uh,. Of course, you know, we're going to have to go back to the redhead. <laughs> and uh, maybe it's Jezebel, you know? Yeah, I, my, and, my, <clears throat> my theory is that um, she, the fact that she m mysteriously in the last issue got an invitation, not that they have to show it in the comic, but I just have this weird feeling that somehow she's she's involved in this. And the fact that she knows that he's Batman is what is like a big key of why I think that she's involved in this is because if she knows that he's Batman, then she can sell, you know, not sell, but she can basically work with these, this club of villains and work with them to basically destroy Bruce Wayne and Batman at the same time, which would make them more powerful in Gotham. I don't think it was her that actually took the file and put it into the computer because I don't think, well, just because I guess there's no proof that she's actually been in the Batcave before, which may not mean anything. But uh, my point is I think there's a third uh, person working here that did this. I don't think it was Alfred. I don't think he was brainwashed or, you know, inadvertently or advertently. I don't think he did anything about this. Um, I don't yet believe it was Jezebel that actually did this. I don't know if it's just some anonymous henchman that got in or another major player. 
But uh, anyway, they planted this, and they wanted Bruce to see it on the computer, I suppose. So then Alfred goes into talking about how he notices Batman's wound, and maybe I'm being a little uh, uh, too cautious or skeptical about this, but just seeing how Alfred cleans the wound and some of the panels, the way the artist does it, where it just shows Alfred holding up uh, something with uh, uh, Batman's blood on it. I don't know what they may have plans to do with that. Um, it could lead to, if you're an Alfred conspiracy theorist thinking that Alfred's behind something, I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here. I Yeah, I'm thinking grasping right there. I'm not real <laughs> sure what, what that could be interpreted as. It's just weird that he starts cleaning the wound, and he doesn't nearly get done finishing. He just pats it, and then you see a scene with the blood dripping from him still. Well, that was because Bruce was like, uh, no, not no. Yeah, he just doesn't want to deal with it yet, I guess. And, you know, I just, because Batman's trying to talk about what's going on with the movie and everything, and, and Alfred suddenly changes the subject and says, uh, oh, hey, that's a nasty wound. Let's, let's clean that up. Hey, yeah, so, I don't the know. butler did it. <laughs> May not be anything at all, and uh, we'll see. It is funny that you say the butler did it, because I was just watching... An episode of The Batman, and the episode was entitled The Butler Did It. Oh. <laughs> you hear, you hear that, fans? The stars are starting to line up. <laughs> there was a real, there was actually a point to that show now. Now we've come to the conclusion. <laughs> but just uh, just entertain me, listeners, and, and you two, with, with trying to see if this went a, a, another way, a certain way. Alfred changed the subject, so, sir, that's rather a nasty wound you know how easily infection gets in as he's leading up to do something i mean if this isn't alfred maybe this is somebody else that just wants the blood or whatever but ignoring that go on and bruce is like yeah where's tim i might need his help uh blah 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 and alfred's response is a little a little guarded he he left two days ago now, maybe Alfred's just concentrating on what he's doing. Maybe it's an imposter that's trying to figure out what to say. I don't know. Hello and welcome to ma- Master, the Tim may be the boy wonder, but he's also blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, if I can see your minds with doubt, then I'm glad I've corrupted you. Uh, <laughs> so, it goes on again to these B-list characters with Dr. Hurt. Um, to me, this parallels with what's going on in Final Crisis. You see, in all the characters around the table, with uh, with some nobody, uh, whatever his name is, Lucha Libre, whoever. You know who I'm talking <laughs> about. <Libre. laughs> Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Y'all following yeah. Final Crisis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just I don't I don't like seeing such similarities in two ongoing comics. It's, it kind of loses the novelty. But uh, they're looking over the plans of a certain place. Do you think that's Wayne Manor? It's probably the case, given what happens at the end of the story. Yeah, so right. you think all of these people know Bruce Wayne is Batman? It's a possibility. So they'll all either have to have their mind wiped via identity crisis or something, or they're all going to have to be killed in some way to bury the secret? Well, I mean, come on. Vicky Vale... Uh, Rachel Dawes. <laughs> but they're love I mean, interests. Yeah, you know, uh, Catwoman, they all know who Batman is. 
Yeah, but they care about them. These guys, they'll sell the secret on eBay. They look like they'll sell the secret just to get another month's rent. They look so ridiculous, but I digress. Uh, Seeing them look through the plans reminds me of Batman Returns when they're looking through the plans of the Batmobile. Batmobile? Yeah. Yeah, it really, I can't help but think about that. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Dr. Hurt pretty much sends these guys out saying, your targets, which are his friends, await meaning apparently he's sending these out to um, hurt, kill, kidnap, or whatever the people that Bruce Wayne slash Batman cares about. So we can assume all of those people are up for grabs, um, assuming also that they know everything about him and who he really cares about. And so B-list characters are sent to take out big-name superheroes. And we'll see how they do it. And the whole plot is, all we have to do now is push, and Batman self-destructs. Mm-hmm. Which may lead a little, uh, shed a little light on what R.I.P. is all about. Not necessarily perhaps killing Batman, but just driving him crazy or what have you. What do you guys think? Not real sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, the really, the best way... Like, I, I don't want to ruin, like, all my theories all have to do with, the like, the end of the book and the stuff that happens at the end and stuff like that, so oh, I'll wait yeah. to say anything till then. Yeah. Dustin is your spoiler source. <laughs> <laughs> He's under lock and key. But, yeah, I mean, Dr. Hurt just digressed some and talking about how way back when he put him in the isolation chamber... He did stuff to him, put little things in him that could be unlocked with phrases or whatever. Uh, Mentions a trigger phrase that he planted all those years ago. Um, So, looks like Dr. Dr. Hurt knows how to turn Batman off or make him crazy or break down or whatever. So then we go back to the Batcave where Batman foolishly brings yet another woman into the Batcave. Um, and I don't know, I'm a little half and half. I can really like Joseph Bell Jett's character, and I can really hate her um, just as easily. I don't like seeing that Batman's suddenly swooning in love with somebody and showing her all these things just because she took a lucky guess and knowing that he's Batman. Seems like that's getting a little hurried of a, in the story, but I could also, if they took a long time, I could see critics saying, oh, this is taking forever. But So she's a little blown away at everything she's seeing and is really intrigued with this black glove invitation and Batman kind of snaps at her saying, you know, this is life and death. They really do want to kill us um, and I don't want you to get hurt. And then it takes a different turn in the, uh, in the story. And this is, when I first read it, I thought, you know, this is really neat. And the more I read it, I'm like, this is really annoying where she kind of criticizes him and calls him a little boy that never grew up just because he has some awesome cave with all of these things in it. Um, but that's a couple of panels later. We'll, we'll pause on that. Right now she's just overwhelmed, saying that what it takes to run that cave, it could erase her country's national debt. And I don't believe anybody knows what country she's from. Yet that may not be important, but we just know she's an international supermodel. Right, and that they met in London, right? Is that right? Um, I, I yeah, I believe they met in London. Now, the next panel is the real jaw dropper. The next page is the real jaw dropper, and this is where Commissioner Gordon 
um, runs to talk to Ed Sheldrake um, at the Gazette. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This isn't who he's talking to, but that's what they're talking about. Right. Some, someone's dropped this story on Thomas and Martha Wayne, and uh, Gordon's uh, really uh, agitated about it because he doesn't want Bruce Wayne to be hurt by this. And really, this is about, um, if I can give you a brief synopsis, Martha Wayne's family uh, apparently um, hired a detective believing that Thomas Wayne had Martha killed and Thomas faked his own death. Um, and does it mention why? No. I don't, I don't think it, yeah, it doesn't. It just says that this detective disappeared mysteriously. Um, and uh, they're just building up that, oh, it's a conspiracy. Thomas Wayne might be some bad guy and all this stuff. Personally, oh, and also, I, I almost missed this part. Um, talking about Alfred. Uh, Gordon says, Mr. Maya, I know uh, Alfred Pennyworth. We're talking old school English gentleman's gentleman. And the mayor says, stage name, Beagle. He's an actor. Guess he fooled you too, Gordon, just like he did the Waynes. So, I don't know, Matt, were you about to say something? Uh, yeah, because this was, like, totally shocking my world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, what? <laughs> so, so if, if, if uh, Grant Morrison wanted to get my attention, uh, he sure did at that part. <laughs> to me, it sounds like it's too shocking to believe it's Grant Morrison pulling something crazy to really get you in and tell a good story, but I, I don't know. I'd have a hard time believing any of this is going to stick afterwards. Uh, Dustin, what do you think? <laughs> it's actually funny that you say that because there was a interview done with um, Grant Morrison, and it basically said, I can tell you this much, this is... This is the first story I had planned when Peter Tomasi, the editor at the time, asked me to do Batman, which must have been two years ago, now longer. And the very first story title I, I noted down was Batman R.I.P. I had particular image for the cover, which Alex Ross has done a bang, zoom, thousand times better version for the second part of the story. So it came from there, and out of that notion came the idea of the big overarching story I've been telling since... I first came on the book. Everything, the Zer and R graffiti, the Joker prose story, the Club of Heroes, every detail that's been in the book for the last couple of years is significant. Everything is a clue to the grand design that's unfolding. My run on Batman is a 25-chapter novel that reaches its climax in R.I.P. and maneuvers Batman into his greatest danger he's ever known, at the mercy of the world's deadliest criminal lunatics. And yeah, I've seen all kinds of speculations about R.I.P., but it's not necessarily what people think it's going to be. Although there are very big changes coming to Batman. When we say that this story that changes this story that changes the legend of the Dark Knight forever, we're quite serious about that. So the fact that he says that makes it me think that it could possibly actually stick. Um, yeah, I read, I think I read that too, and, um, I think at some point he says either in that interview or another one that he's kind of surprised nobody knows who's behind it or, or something like that because he thought re reading it is kind of obvious. Yeah. Who it is. So I'm like, okay, I don't have all of those issues, but th I have quite a few and 
I don't, I don't I'm think it's that obvious. Yeah, I'm sticking with Jezebel. Yeah. Jezebel, uh, well now, when did she turn out? Did she did she show up just a couple of issues ago? Yeah. And see, and see, with him saying, looking back at all the old issues, it should be quite obvious. I'm thinking it's somebody that he's that he's been pointing to for a while. And I'm like, who? Doctor Hurters or something? Uh, really? I, I thought you know, there's some, there's supposed to be someone above him. So I don't know. Now I could see that you know this. When I say that Grant Morrison just just pulled this out of out of nowhere to shock you, I, I don't mean that you know he's like, oh, this would be a great thing to plug in here. But more along the lines of, you know, I'm going to put this in our, you know, this is part of my story, but it's really just something to get some, a rise out of people. And, but this is the truth over here. I just, I don't think that Thomas Wayne's really alive and that he's doing something. Although I could believe that way back during then something, something was going on to where they want, somebody wants it to look like Thomas Wayne's alive and doing something for the purpose of screwing around with Bruce. Um, do you guys follow me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that it's something that's been going on for a long time, and now it's time to come out. But well, you, you know, when um, during these panels, when um, uh, he's explaining uh, to Gordon, and like he has proof, and when Gordon starts reading this, and he says, what the hell is this? <laughs> I was like, that's the same expression I had. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Gordon's, uh, Gordon's, uh, echoing all of our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so, and, and it kind of makes you, it, 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 at this part right here, it kind of makes you wonder, because if Thomas Wayne is alive, mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne won't be Batman anymore. Yeah, we were talking about that before the podcast. That's a really interesting thought. You know, because so, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You know, yeah, because this it, is all about avenging his parents' death. And if exactly. that was all a sham, if yeah. that was all set up by his dad, exactly. if that it, takes out his whole purpose. Exactly, and that's that's the only way I could see him not becoming Batman, is if maybe this whole story is going to like swirl from this two-page little thing that has to do with Gordon and this other guy. If... The story is all based around just what appears on those two pages. It doesn't even matter what's happening with all those crazy lunatics. Mm-hmm. All that matters is that if this actually becomes true, or the club of hero or villains or whatever brainwash him to think that this is true, there's no point for him. So he would have absolutely no reason to be Batman. And I, and I don't think that this is a separate issue from Dr. Hurt. I think it's all the same guy behind it all. Um, you know, I don't think this is a coincidence that this is happening the same time Dr. Hurt's making his move. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, can, I can see the end of R.I.P. being that this gets around to Bruce and he believes it and and it affects his mission and, and, and he ends up or whatever. But I don't think that that would be the truth. That, yeah, that really is true and... and and that's really true about Thomas Wayne. I think someone's behind it to try to manipulate Bruce into believing that. And yeah, I agree that that would be enough to get a uh, for Bruce to make a serious change in who he is and why he does it, and if he does it at all, being Batman. Yeah, because it, it's making me go through the rolodex of of villains now. You know, because I I, I kind of suspected Alfred for a while, uh, and at the end of this issue, they kind of put that to rest. 
and uh, with it being done like that, with the of course when we get to the end of the issue, we'll talk about that. It's it's just uh, it's just throwing my mind for a loop. But when you notice into the into the next panel that falls out. When you see, like, I guess the minions going over Wayne Manor and how we were talking about maybe it was a blueprints for Wayne Manor. If you notice that when um, Bruce Wayne is coming up the stairs and he's talking, the first picture you see is uh, Jason Todd's uh, outfit uh, where uh, that's the one that the Joker had killed him. So that kind of led me to suspect Joker. Maybe, but I mean, like we said in the last issue where Joker was getting the invitation, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's trying to set it up that, you know, it's him, but he's using other means to, you know, like hiring, you know, uh, LeBose and his minions, maybe, you know what I mean? And then hiring, you know, uh, Black Glove. So it it just opens your mind a lot. Although I do want to point out something. Um, A lot of people... uh, not well, not anybody I specifically know, but I know a lot of people sometimes get uh, don't give Batman credit because f- even though Stephanie Brown, who used to be the spoiler for a brief point in time, played or was was Robin, a lot of people say that be, that she's the only one that they don't have a costume for. If you look at this picture, the second one on the left is a female Robin costume. Right. So there's her memorial that she never had before that just miraculously showed up. Mm-hmm. Strange. You talk about Joker, and uh, back on the last one, uh, the end of the last issue, the guy's telling the Joker, I'm here on behalf of the Black Glove to invite you, and he calls him the Master to the Batman's Dance of Death. We'll be in touch. So I don't know why they're calling him the master. What kind of significance that plays in their scheme? If they're if they're just you know telling him, you are the greatest Batman villain, or you're the craziest idiot we know, or or <laughs> if they're saying that he's actually a part of the Black Glove and and everything's prepared for him, and now he can I don't know. But yeah, interesting to see what he's going to have to do with it. And stuff, and then uh, Batman and, and the issue we're talking about right now. A couple of uh, pages later, he's talking about you know, like the dead man's hand, the Joker dealt me when I went to Arkham Asylum to ask him about the Black Glove. Two eights, two aces, right? What's the eighth letter of the alphabet? Then think eights and A's, two red, two black. And Jezebel goes, "Oh my God, ha ha, H A H A." So, yeah, I don't know exactly where the Joker factors in. I haven't really thought him through on what his uh, what his role is besides just someone that was told, hey, this is what we're doing and we're going to let you in on it. Come with us. I don't know if he may have a, a bigger scheme or a bigger role to play. He might be one of, the, one of the masterminds behind it or not. But, boy, man, could you imagine if Joker knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman? I can't see them doing that. That seems that seems really way too bizarre. Well, there's been way too many times where Joker's had the opportunity. He's just like, no, it would ruin. Uh-huh. It would ruin it. Uh-huh. Mm. Hugo Strange knows <laughs> who Batman is. Yeah, yeah. 
It just came out with a figure that has a removable <laughs> Batman Hugo Strange head. Subliminal marketing, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and thinking about going forward, say the Joker's just now being brought into this afresh, the people he's going to completely know Bruce Wayne is Batman. So how is the Joker going to be kept in the dark about that? Or, you know, how's that going to play out? That'll be, that'll be interesting. So, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, the story moves on, and um, people are descending upon Batman's cave while he's being distracted by the idiot new woman with him, trying to tell him he's, he's dumb. Uh, but they do have some good dialogue, because he's like, you know, are you angry with me? And her response is, you have to listen, Bruce. Alfred won't tell you. The boys won't tell you. They're too scared of you. And he doesn't even believe like, oh, come on, that's not true. Which, that's strange. Like, well, Batman, you've really never considered that? She's like, of course it is. You've spent your whole life and billions of dollars making yourself into a person who scares people. Which is, uh, I think, a good line. I like a lot of, you know, Grant's lines here. Um, you wanted them to be frightened, but the price of that fear is truth and intimacy and all the things that hold together normal human relationships. They're scared to say it, but I'm not scared, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes on verbally bashing him, uh, talking about how, look what you've done. This is just a disturbed little boy's response to his parents' death. You're over 30 years old. It can't go on. Um, perhaps that's what a lot of wives tell their husbands who still collect comics and love things and will never go back. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps that part, that's part of my problem with her character. I'm like, you know, she represents all the people that don't get comics and don't get the superheroes and think, you know, that's only for kids stuff. You know what? Uh, my, my wife gets her expensive purses or whatever she wants. Uh, I get my comic books. That's that's the deal. It's, it's yeah. a give and take. <laughs> I mean, if, if these were Sunday funnies in a, in a, the Sunday newspaper that had no plot or no depth or anything to them, uh, okay, I could see having an obsession with them being something. But, you know, there's a lot here. Right. Uh, as everybody listening to this already knows. So anyway, she continues her, her rant. Um... And, it goes uh, on for a couple of issues. So, it, I mean, a couple of pages. It does. And the first time I read it, I really liked it and thought, wow, now, now Grant Morrison's really taking a different take. And I think that's what a lot of critics' responses have been, is that, hey, this is, seems to be, the, I guess, the first time that this has been addressed like this, with someone telling Batman or telling Bruce, grow up, you can't keep doing this stuff. Um, would you guys agree this is the first time that's really been addressed? Yeah, I would definitely say nobody else has really ever said, hey, uh, you got to keep in mind that you're not going to live forever, so maybe you should just give it up. That's never really come up before. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets a little uh, annoying and repetitive where she goes, Oh, Bruce, poor Bruce, what if you're not well? Like, uh, as far as the dialogue goes compared to the rest of the issue, that just really grates on me. Because she yeah. said a few more times, Oh, poor Bruce, oh, poor Bruce. And I'm like, okay, that's for some reason that's not rubbing me the right way. Uh, yeah, and we got a pretty good panel in there uh, where uh, they're walking by, like, the Batmobile, even Robin's vehicle, and mm-hmm. even the the Batbite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the artist, I think, had a lot of fun with this one, showing off all the different stuff he has. But uh, Bruce is, it has an interesting response. Again, it makes me think of how, uh, how we try to justify... Um, our love for all things Batman to some people. I know, I know how it looks, but 
<laughs> people see my entire Batman black and white statue collection or or something like that. Uh, but this is how the Black Glove would work, isn't it? The Black Glove knows everything about me, knows the exact moment I'm most vulnerable. So Bruce seems to really be catching on here. Um, and uh, Jezebel's biting her lip there. So who knows if she's really in on this or if she's just a gullible idiot that's playing right to the Black Glove's hands or, or not. And then they talk about what does the Joker have to do with it, and Batman goes into... You know, maybe a huge conspiracy rant about it. You know, I and each card has a specific fortune-telling significance and a whole range of numerological and whatever that word is, correspondences, before we even get to color symbolism and folklore. So Batman's trying to cover every possible way this could be a riddle, trying to figure things out. And Jezebel kind of really uh, puts on the brakes and says, Bruce, what if it's you? Meaning, you know, Bat Batman's trying to make the case here that whoever it is that's messing with his head really, really knows him and really knows how to stump him. And like anybody else, who could possibly know him this well and be this smart and clever? And she plays this huge, what if it's, you know, a split personality? What if you're Two-Face's cousin? Uh, saying, you know, Bruce, what if it's you? What if this whole time the person behind all this is like maybe a split personality? of his that's that's taken over and is working behind the scenes that's how you guys took it right <laughs> yeah yeah kind of <laughs> not, you know, not really saying that you know what if you're just being way too paranoid but she's actually saying what if you have some sort of split personality you're really crazy and you're working against yourself not so much you know well you're just being paranoid you're taking this too far yeah. so yeah she's like what if the black glove is you and that really, that sounds like a familiar plot or story from something else. I can't place my finger on it. Uh, does it, it do anything to you guys? I don't know if it's uh, Batman or somebody else. That, that, that one remind me of that movie, number 23, made by our favorite director, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> With Jim Carrey. What Fair about enough, it? So it reminded me of that, where Jim Carrey's looking for a murder, and he's actually the one that was the murderer inside the book. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I think that uh, it's been played in different things. That's not what I'm remembering. I don't know if it's some old uh, famous book or whatever, but I think that theme has been played where the bad guy's really yourself and you had no idea. Dustin, does that have any, any it's, memory? I mean, it's basically... A, it's one of those storylines. It's just... It's common. I can't think of anything specific that used it, but I know I've seen movies where, you know... At the end of the movie, they realize, wow, this is... Like, for instance, Fight Club is a perfect example. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, the entire time he's th he sees Brad Pitt's... Or Edward Norton sees Brad Pitt's character doing all these bad things, and he wants to stop him, but at the end of the movie, he realizes it's really himself. And that's just... I mean, that's one example, and that was a perfect example for a schizophrenic kind of thing, because that's what that was. But, I mean... I don't know, it's been overdone a lot, and I'm not really seeing this take that direction because it's been overdone so much. Mm -hmm. Well, it moves on, and it gets to the climax of the whole story. Uh, he approaches his back computers, and uh, and he's starting to really entertain the idea, it couldn't be me, could it? I've been under pressure all these last years, but... And then he turns to the back computer, which is all of a sudden pulling up all of these images with graffiti that says Zer N R. 
and I have no idea what the significance of that phrase is yet. Um, but it says kind of a weird line. It seems a little at, it seems a little out of character for me to hear Batman saying it. I don't know if it's me, but the Bat computer will know. I mean, is that straight out of Adam West or, or what? Anyway, if it's me, the Bat computer will know. It's wait a minute, what the hell's wrong with it? Just static on the screens. And so he's seeing something that apparently she is not. Um, if she really is behind all this, she's playing it well. Um, but then he knows everything's going crazy, and what sets it all off is her actually saying the words Zer in R. Um, and listeners, if you have any idea of the significance of that statement, feel free to write us and let us know. But he's like, no, not now. He knows everything's starting to go down. I guess whatever happened to him in that isolation chamber with Dr. Hurt. Um, he says he's not ready. And then all of a sudden he says, uh, Jezebel, the commissioner's on the hotline. There's an emergency. And so I don't know if he's being delusional and thinking he's hearing something go, hearing the phone go off or not. But he doesn't really have a hotline, does he? Like, you know, I know the old Adam West thing had that, but... The bat phone? Yeah. Well, it, it could go a couple different ways. It could go, you know, he just knows... Like, if you look at that, that, that frame, it basically... Suddenly, it's, it's extremely red all over the screen. So, it could be... You know, he's thinking that... You know, the commissioner, maybe the bat signal's turned on and the commissioner's trying to call him. Who knows? But I think the more, the emergency is not the fact that the commissioner is calling him. I think it's the fact that the, he's realized that someone's broken into the bat cave and that's why he tells her, get out, get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that works. And so he collapses um, in some sort of seizure or uh, what would you call it when people can't move per- paralysis or something? Yeah. Well, I think uh, Dr. Hurd had some kind of contact with Bruce Wayne, didn't he? They didn't contact. He didn't do anything. I think it was more... You know what? I think that my my theory is that the Zuren-Ur, or whatever the heck it is, was something that maybe was brainwashed him as a subliminal thought or something like that. Mm-hmm. That hurt maybe put into his mind so that he could, you know, bring down Bruce Wayne, or not Bruce Wayne, but Batman if he needed to in the future. And I'm thinking that's probably probably what it might be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And interesting how all this stuff is coming together. You know, he's putting... Sounds like, mm-hmm. It sounds like Hugo Strange. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting. He's putting them out. He's laid them out cold. He's still going to have this Thomas Wayne thing coming after him. He's got everybody going after him to get everybody he cares about. And, and, it's, and it's weird that he also put him down in process. I mean, why do any of that if you've got him knocked down on his back and stuff? So who knows what the next step is. But all of these people start approaching him and looking at Jezebel real carefully. Uh, if she's if she's in on it, she's still playing along really good. He's out cold, and she's like, Bruce, what's happening, Bruce? She really doesn't have much reaction to everybody closing in on her. But the uh, the guy commands, kill the lights, which is... And that's, uh, that's Lebus, or however you pronounce his name. Oh, is it really? Yeah. How do you know that? Uh, by short stature, so... And also, he has the club, and if you... <laughs> Turn two pages, it's the same guy. He looks exactly the same. Turn two. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Uh, I don't know why the significance of kill the lights, why they thought they had to do that. Um, is it something with that black glove on the, on the screen? Is it something to get Jezebel easier? I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Is he telling Jezebel, kill the lights? Okay, let's get on with this. I don't know. But then you go to the next one, and this is where the Alfred conspiracies kind of collapse, where he comes back from seeing the play that Bruce told him to go see. And uh, sad moment for Alfred when he sees everything burning. He's probably thinking of all the cleanup he's going to have to do afterwards. A la Batman uh, Begins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden they start, these sea level characters start closing in on him. Um, Which was pretty sad. That was pretty sad. Yeah, I don't know of any other storyline where, where Alfred gets the crud kicked out of him. Yeah, and, and what's funny is that the, that guy, Leboos, how do you say his name? Lebusu or Lebusa? Uh, Lebosu or something like that. I guess it's Le, French. Yeah, Lebosu. Mm -hmm. um, where he says, farewell, faithful butler. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that's kind of eerie. I know. Now, being a long-term comic fan, I'm used to uh, over-dramatic statements and endings. Um, and I don't know if they're going to kill him, if they're just going to knock him out, uh, telling him farewell, knock him out, and take him somewhere. I don't know, but if they're just knocking him out, they're doing a pretty <laughs> bang-up job, considering <laughs> the one guy's got a club, it's covered with blood, the other guy's got a bat, it's covered with blood, the other guy's got a baton covered with blood, mm. and there's blood all over him, but... I think what's really amusing on this page is the little thing at the bottom where it says, next in Batman R.I.P., the club of villains takes Gotham. Okay, that we could, we could go with that. The fate of Bruce Wayne. Okay, we could go with that. And the shocking return of the first Batman. That's my question. Who in the world is the first Batman? Hmm. Now, it's because the real Batman, Bruce Wayne, has been paralyzed and is uh, presumably being taken somewhere. Yeah. So, so let, let's just, what does everybody think is going to happen in the next, uh, the next issue? I, I don't think too much shocking changes are going to happen. I don't know. I think just regular progression of the story. Uh, the big question, of course, is does Alfred live and who is this first Batman? Yeah, that's, that's something that I'm thinking about as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, it, it, we're thinking hard about it. It might be just simple. Maybe this is not really Bruce Wayne. Maybe this is not really Batman. You know, maybe, maybe something happened. So it, it, it really, it really uh, opens the door, but I'm pretty 100%. It's going to be Hugo Stranger, Clayface. <laughs> <laughs> Can Batman escape? One hint, the worst is yet to come. Alright, so let's get into the greatest, uh, the Joker, the greatest stories ever told. Apple? Okay, uh, this book, uh, the Joker's, uh, 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 the greatest stories ever told, um, it is a, a book, a compilation of 13 stories, it, uh, 1999, uh, just a few highlights from the, from the book, um, the book is actually, uh, it has, uh, one of the, the first stories from, uh, Batman number one, which was, uh, in spring of 1940, it was Batman versus the Joker, 
another highlight in here was uh, Joker's Last Laugh, which was uh, Detective Comics 332 uh, from October 1964. Uh, one of the one of the new ones that's uh, in there is uh, they went ahead and put uh, New Year's Eve which was uh, in the Batman The Long Halloween issue number four from uh, March 1997. Um, that's a real good read. I'm a real big fan of The Long Halloween. Um, and they also added um, the Hutch Chapter 7, uh, the joke, uh, Batman 614 from uh, June 2003. So uh, there's actually 13 stories in all. Um, I went ahead and picked it up. Uh, it, it, it's virtually like uh, like the old, like the paper comic books uh, in between. So it, it gives you that, um, gives it that nostalgic, not the whole glossy kind of look. It takes you a little bit back. But um, what's really interesting is just that, that first part where you get to see uh, Bob Kane's Joker right at the beginning. And um, you just see how the, how the Joker and... Uh, how he sets up the story for it. So, uh, for any Batman fan, uh, of course, actually any Joker fan, this is a must-buy for you guys, so I recommend it. Alright, um, alright, well, let's cover Detective Comics 845 real quick. Um, I'm not gonna go into as much detail as we did earlier with the R.I.P. Um, but Chris, uh, Let's talk about uh, Detective Comics 845. Just give us a basic overview of the story real quick. Okay. Um, it's, uh, I guess, Paul Dini continuing his uh, single-issue story runs. And normally I'm a little uh, critical of those. But this one, I think, is worth getting because they have some good stuff in there. The uh, artist, Dustin, uh, how do you say his last name, and Guyan. Gwen. 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 There you go. Um, I really like the uh, stuff he does with Batman. I think there's a black and white statue with uh, with his with his work on it. Is that right? Yeah, it's coming out um, actually next month, I believe. So yeah, we'll have more on the on the Batman uh, Universe podcast for the release date on that one. Yeah, um, he does some really good stuff. I like I like his style and how he shows Batman. But the two things in this in this book that make it really good are when Batman goes back to his Batmobile after looking at a crime scene and finds Catwoman already in there. Um, she's broke in say, and, and makes a joke about how it just took her a little longer to get into that Batmobile or whatever. But she's really upset that from the last few issues, he's been going around with, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Zatanna. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and she talks about, yeah, more like Batana. And, uh, and <laughs> it's because she knows a little bit more tricks. That's why. She <laughs> uh, tries to calm her. He tries to calm her down. Going, Selena, come on now. And uh, so that was really cool. And she uh, she quickly takes off, kind of hoping Bruce, at least he thinks, will follow after her. But he's busy. And then it opens up into what I think is an even more entertaining scene. And this is Batman trying to figure out how to solve this mystery. And what does he do? He goes on to a uh, mystery community, an online mystery community that likes to uh, open up chat sessions and talk to each other about mysteries going on and crimes going on in Gotham. And I, it's just really entertaining to see Bruce take on this personality, um, talking to different people online and then slowly revealed who these people are. And at first I thought Bruce was um, screen name Wizard 101. 
but it turns out he's actually uh, a different dude. Matt, uh, Matt Millen. Remember from the Batman animated series? No. Matches Malone? Matches Malone? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but on this one, he's actually ends up being uh, John Doe 297. Um, and I hate to spoil that for anybody that doesn't know that already, but seriously, the book has been out for weeks. If you haven't read it yet, <laughs> you must be a Superman fan. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it goes on, and it's just really interesting to see the back and forth, um, and, uh, they, uh, they, the, this gorilla dude is one of the guys that's in on it, and he's only very faintly familiar to me, and it kind of pulled me out of the story a little bit, because I'm, you know, I know there's crazy people in the Batman world, but a gorilla that's a human, that's really intelligent, is kind of weird, but I like the way they portrayed him as being, you know, pretty cool dude and uh so anyway did you guys want to say something quick about that i mean overall it was a good issue it gave bruce a little more than he's the ultimate detective it made him seem like he's not perfect which is you know kind of cool but at the same time it was like does bruce really need to go onto this chat room to solve the crime i mean he's the world's greatest detective i don't really think he needs to go there but it was a it was a cool issue. I I I I'd say it was definitely get if you don't have it. I'd say go get it. Yeah, the artwork is really unique, and those two scenes were, were really entertaining. Uh, and that, yeah, that's all I've really got to say about it. Uh, Apple, anything else? Uh, no, just for fans to go ahead and pick it up and read it and uh, enjoy it. But like how you were saying, it's really been out for weeks. So yeah. And so we've already gone over an hour. Uh, RIP is really a big thing. We need to spend some time with it. There were a few others out we didn't get to cover in detail. If that disappointed you guys, if there's something that you really wanted us to talk about, please let us know at Batman uh, Universe Comic Podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, and I'll turn it back over to you, Dustin. All right. So just to cover, uh, there's a checklist that if you buy pretty much any Batman comic or Actually, I think it's in most of the DC comics in general. Um, it has a checklist for what's going to be uh, coming out or involved with Batman R.I.P. So we've already got Batman 676 and 677. Obviously, 678 is coming out. Um, Batman, the next Detective Comics 846 is going to be involved in it. And then also, um, there will be a couple of, uh, four issues of Nightwing, two issues of Robin, um... I actually found it kind of amusing because I noticed that Robin 175, which was supposed to come out this month, is was postponed till next month because it's involved in the storyline, so that'll be interesting. But the, the thing that I'm finding funny is that the Batman, Batman and the Outsiders are being included in this um, story arc, which is surprising to me because most of the Outsiders uh, comics have kind of always, in my opinion, fallen away from the actual storylines within the Batman comics, and that's why they don't survive as well as well as they could. Mm-hmm. So this will be interesting to see if it actually, you know, does does the, the that series any justice at all. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> so, um, if you're picking this up today, or if you're picking this up, uh, it'll be Wednesday. The stuff that's out today is... Uh, we've got All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder Volume 1, which I believe collects the first five, four or five issues, uh, excuse me, one through nine. 
it collects yeah. one through nine. Um, we've got Batman Gotham after midnight number two. Um, Batman Je- Jekyll and Hyde, which is basically just the collection of the miniseries that came out uh, a couple years ago. And that's about it. Nothing else is coming out tomorrow, or, well, for most people listening today, Wednesday the 25th. Um, that's about it. Um, we'll have a new podcast for the Batman Universe podcast. will be up uh, early next week, so you can check that out. We will continue to do this podcast every other week as well uh, to keep you updated with the comics. As we've said throughout the podcast, the website or the email address is slightly different. It's Batman Universe Comic Podcast at yahoo.com. And that'll be on the website so you can check that out. Um, so that you can email us. But if you have anything about comics that you want us to talk about, um, we won't be spending as much time on Batman RIP in detail as much as we did today. I mean, we spent pretty close to an hour with two issues. So what we'll do is, if you want to, if you guys want us to talk about a certain mini series or something like that, we'd be more than happy to do that. Um, let us know what you guys want to know, and we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it for whatever you guys want to do. If you think we did a good job, let us know. If you think we we need to change something, let us know. So, all right. Well, I think that's about it. All right. Uh, this is Dustin. This is Chris. This is Apple. And this is the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel.